Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of my message is Nothing Strange is Happening. Nothing strange is happening. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Peter says this. He says, Beloved, it's like it's coming from his heart. He's saying, Beloved, do not think that what is happening to you is strange. What's happening to you is not strange. For these fiery trials are sent to test you. They are not strange. It's it's not strange. Uh, The definition of strange means unusual. And so what he's saying is, he goes, what's happening to you, the area that is most difficult, the, the... the part that's bringing you the most stress, it's not strange, it's not unusual. It's, it's happening, this, this battle, this intensity, it's happening to all of us. In 1 Peter, he goes on in chapter five, verse eight, it says, stay aware, be alert for our Mighty adversary is prowling around like a lion, seeking who he may devour. And then in the next verse, it says, stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith and remember that believers everywhere are fighting the same battles that you are. Nothing strange is happening to you. It hurts, it's painful, but it's not strange. Having someone promise to never leave you or forsake you, and then they leave you and forsake you, that's painful. It's not unusual. To stay awake at night because you can't sleep, because there's a battle that you're fighting that is stealing your rest, It's painful, it's not unusual. What is happening to you is not unusual. If you are fighting for your marriage, it's not unusual. If you wanna find someone else who has high highs in their marriage and low lows, you wanna find someone else that's experiencing that, go find someone else who's married and you found them. Every single marriage is like, baby, I love you. And it's like, can you chew with your mouth closed? (laughs) If you take two humans and put them in the room, there were things that I did when we were dating that my wife thought was cute. Now, after 20 years, it's not so cute. You know, you hear someone snoring, your boyfriend, girlfriend falls asleep. Oh, look at him, he's so cute. Get married. (laughs) You start looking at that nose and you want to stick something up there. It's like, that's so cute. The the marriage trouble, the marriage struggle, it's not not strange. The, The people who are happiest the marriages that are happiest are the marriages where both people have become very very good at forgiving 
Very good. If, if Allie and I don't have the best marriage you've ever seen, we're in the top five. What's the secret? She's gotten really good at forgiving Frankie Mazabika. Forgiveness. It's, don't think it's strange. It's, it's not strange. The financial battles, it's not strange. I mean, my goodness, our whole country's like a quazillion dollars in debt. It's not strange. It's hard. It's stressful. It, it, it causes arguments. It's, it's not strange. Incidentally, if you are healthy, you have a phenomenal life. Phenomenal. If there's no one in your immediate family that is sick or in the hospital, you have a phenomenal life. A phenom is there anyone that's experienced that and you can say, he's telling the truth. He's telling the truth. It, you have a phenomenal life. But don't think it's strange. The, the, it, I, I, I remember back in the 80s and 90s, um, some of y'all weren't born yet, but uh, the, there was a guy named Mike Tyson. Everybody remembers Mike Tyson. And an interviewer was interviewing him, and they, it was before his fight. And I said, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about this guy? They said he, he bobs so quick, left, right, left, right. He, he's, he's bobbing. How are you going to hit him? He's coming, he's bobbing. He, he comes in and out. He comes in and out. How are you going to hit him? He's got a plan. He's got a strategy, Mike, that you've never faced before. You've never fought a guy like this before. And Mike said back, everybody has a plan until they get punched. You come in, you get punched in the mouth. You can, anyone can come in and say, you know, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Anybody can handle it until you face adversity. And that's when we separate people who are fans of Jesus and people who are followers of Jesus. That's the, that's the separation right there is when you face adversity. I wasn't expecting this. I, I wasn't prepared for God, why did you let this happen? You throw stars in the air. How could you not stop this? Why did you not stop this? How did you? That's called adversity. How do you handle adversity? There is a remnant on the earth right now, Romans chapter 11, verse, verse 5. It says, at this present moment, there is a remnant called by grace. At this present moment, there is a core of believers that have already made up in their mind and their spirit and their soul. If you don't answer another prayer of mine again, I'm still worshiping you. There's a Encourage me. Come on. If you don't do it again, if you don't do it again, there, uh, it's, uh, it's Psalms or Proverbs. Uh, let me think. Hold on. It's, uh, it's Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 34. It says, out of the abundance of a man's heart. Uh, what's it say? 
Yes, out of the, thank you so much. God bless you. Out of the abundance of a man's heart, the mouth speaks. If you ever want to know what's inside of a person's heart, just listen to how they talk. And so they may say, I'm a follower of God, I'm a Christian, but when you listen to them talk, there's something about what they're saying that doesn't make sense. It's, it's like they got the words right, but the tune is off. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, I'll give you an example. If you sing, uh, Mary had a little lamb. Mary had a little lamb, little lamb, little lamb. Words are right, tune is right. But if I say, Mary had a little lamb, little lamb, little lamb, she had a little lamb, it's like, you got the words right, but the tune is off. There's something wrong with what the, the tune is off. Have you ever met a person that says, I love Jesus, and you're like, you're saying it. Adversity. Adversity. How many people do we know that says, if God is real, then why? Blah, 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 blah. Adversity. There's two things that Satan wants. Number one, he wants your faith. Number two, he wants your prayer life. I'm going to talk about those two things and then I'm all done. Number one, he wants your faith. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus is on a boat with his 12 disciples and they're arguing. The 12 disciples are arguing. And, you know, I'm sure the Bible doesn't say who started the argument, but Peter had a big mouth. We all know it was probably Pete, right? He had a big mouth. I'm not hating on him because I relate mostly to him. <laughs> but they're on a boat, and, and so just give me, some, give me some liberty here. Pete turns around and says, John, did you bring our lunch? John, what am I, the lunch guy? No, I didn't bring any lunch. Why would you think, why, did you bring any lunch? Peter's like, are you serious? <laughs> James, did you bring our lunch? And James and John were brothers. John's like, hey, hey, you pay attention to me. Don't talk to my brother. Did you bring in? They get into this big argument. And of course, Bartholomew in the entire in the entire Bible, it just says his name. He doesn't. He, he didn't say anything. So he's standing there like. Finally, Peter looks at Bartholomew. What do you got to say? Jesus steps up and goes, "What, what are you guys? What are you guys arguing about?" Well, he was supposed to bring the lunch. He was supposed to, we're on this boat. We're, we're, we're starving to death. And Jesus says, weren't all of you guys? He had some Texas blood. Weren't all y'all? Weren't all y'all with me when I fed 5,000 people with five fish and two loaves? Weren't all of you with me? Weren't all of you with me when I fed 4,000 people? We had the largest fish fry in the history of mankind together. You guys were all there. Pete, how many baskets of leftovers did we have after we fed 5,000? 12. Bartholomew, you're going to speak up now. How many baskets did we have left over when I fed 4,000? Tell Jesus. <laughs> It was seven baskets. I don't know what his deal is. He didn't like to talk a lot. Seven baskets. And then Jesus says this. You, 
You remember what I did for you. Why are you doubting me now? See, the, uh, that's a good time. Come on, help me out. You, you, you got there before I got there. You know where, where I'm going with this. It, how do we doubt him? How does the enemy convince us to doubt him in a present circumstance when we have a, a list from here to South Dakota on things that he's already done for us? I, I remember I was 15 years old and, and we were broke. I mean, broke, broke. Some people say they were broke and they weren't broke. Like Hollywood movie stars are like, I'm broke. I'm like, you don't know what broke is. If you're driving around in a Bentley, you're not broke. I remember my dad called me into the room and he said, you see this $100? Because this is, this is the only money we have. Now, some people say that this is all they got and they got like stuff in the bank. No, zero, 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 zero. This is the only money we have. Because what you're about to see is a miracle. He took the $100 bill and he grabbed a Nike box. It was my Nike box. Because when my generation was growing up, all of us had a shoe box under the bed, hiding, maybe the generation before me. Every single note from a girl went inside that box. Are you with me? Some of you don't want to say anything because you still have your box. <laughs> every bracelet, every necklace, every note, every picture, it, it's all in the box. My dad starts throwing stuff out of the box. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm good for a miracle, but don't touch my box. He's, he starts throwing stuff out of the box because the stack of $100 bills got so big that the box was tipped tippy. And I remember it because after the first hundred dollar bill, he'd say, yo, Franco, come here. Uh, only he can call me that. Don't. <laughs> yo, Franco, come over. He'd stick another hundred dollars under the box. Yo, Frank, stick it. Over in about three weeks, I think we had two hundred dollars more. But then there was another hundred dollars, another hundred dollars, another hundred dollars. Then he started putting it in the box. The box got full of $100 bills over the course of, I don't know, a year, year and a half. Full of $100 bills. And then he had to go put it in a safe deposit box because, you know, we had debt issues. If he would have put it in our bank account, it would have got taken out. So, <laughs> are you with me? So, so, we had a safe deposit box. It stacks $100 bills. And, and then he got remarried. And then it all went away. <laughs> gone. True story. It was gone. Poof. Gone. But before it was gone, I remember looking at it. And I'll never, ever, 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 ever forget seeing that miracle. How many of you in this room, you have a miracle that you will never, ever, ever forget? Put your hands together. You have a miracle you will never forget. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to overwhelm us with this adversity and say, something strange is happening to me. I don't know what's happening. Nothing strange is happening. You're in the middle of a battle. You got this, this enemy that's like a lion sifting your life, sniffing, waiting for you to get insecure, waiting for you to get overwhelmed, waiting for you. 
get in there and just grip your faith and rip it out of you and make you re look back on all those things and you can't even remember it anymore. That's the enemy. That's the enemy. The, the more you think about your testimony, the more you think about it, the more you say, well, it happened 20 years ago. Talk about it anyway. Talk about it anyway. Talk about it. In Revelation 19.10, it says, the testimony is the spirit of prophecy. So when you talk about what Jesus did, you're really prophesying on what he's going to do again. Come on. Help me. Some of y'all are so funny. Every time I quote a scripture, you go on your phone to find out if it's right. Keep doing that. I like it. The Bible says, test it. Make sure it's true. Test it. Test it. Well, I'll bet you do a dollar to a donut, it's right. I spend hours staring at those things. Prayer. He wants to, he wants to take our prayer life away. I, I heard uh, a preacher He's a friend of mine. He's a well-known preacher, and I don't want to name drop, so I'm not going to say his name. But he was telling a story about a friend of his who saw Jesus in heaven. And um, he was, Jesus was sitting on the desk, and there was nothing on the desk. And he was standing on the other side of the desk. And on the corner of the desk was this little, small globe. And... He looked at Jesus and he said, is that the earth? And Jesus said back, no, that's the universe. The Bible says that the ocean waters are in the palm of his hand. And this God, this creator, in Proverbs 8, 17, it says, those of you who love me, you will seek me and you will find me. Yeah. 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 Jeremiah uh, 30, uh, 29, 13, it says this. You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. You're not playing games with me. You're not in. You're not out. You, you don't have these prerequisites for me. You've set your face like flint to seek me. And you will find me. This creator of the world where the whole galaxy, the, the scientists can't even come up with how many galaxies there are. Not stars. Galaxies. They can't even come up with them. And he's like, that's just a little piece. And this being where Acts 17, 28, we are in him and walking in. He, we are in him. He's not up there. We are in him, walking and in him. And he said, I want to talk to you. And I want to have a relationship with you. And all Satan wants to do is to take your faith and to keep your mouth shut. Too many people are settling for praying in their head. If you can't open your mouth and pray, you have to ask yourself why. And I would propose that for the people that can't get their mouth open and say the name of Jesus, that the spirit of Satan has put a lock on your jaw. And you just cannot get that mouth open. You can think it, 
but you can't say it. it the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 13, let your entire body be an instrument. Be an instrument. Your hands, your mouth, your soul, your, your whole body be an instrument. If you can't open up your mouth, you have to wonder if someone has taken that instrument. No. No. If you don't know how to pray, then just spend 10 minutes saying Jesus over and over again. You probably aren't going to come up with anything better than that anyway. Are you with me? Encourage me this morning. Last Monday, I felt like the Lord, I don't like talking about how long I pray because I don't want anyone comparing themselves. Uh, some of you, I, I just looked at a lady in the back. She makes, she prays way longer than I do. But on Monday, I felt like the Lord told me to pray two, two hours. On Tuesday, I felt him tell me, I want you to pray for three hours. It was fascinating because on Wednesday, I went for a run early in the morning. I got done running, and I knew the Lord was speaking to me. It was just like quick and fast. He said, celebrate your wife and celebrate your family. Because if someone in your family were to get cancer, you would wish you celebrated them more. I was like, I mean, it hit me. Four hours later, my wife calls me up. She says, I just left the doctor's office and they found a nodule and the doctor said it could be cancerous. It's full, hard, could be cancerous. But he said, don't worry about it. <laughs> Have these doctors learned so much that they've become stupid? <laughs> you might have cancer, but don't worry. What, what plant have you fell off the turnip truck? You're talking about cancer, bro. So anyway, but he said, don't worry. I said, okay. I felt the Lord tell me, pray another three hours. So I pray, I'm praying for three hours. I didn't call anybody. I'm, uh, I didn't talk to anybody. I'm praying. I feel like the Lord, not out loud, just right down in here, it's going to be okay. I don't know what the chapters are going to look like. I just know at the end, everything's going to be okay. Right? So I'm so sure about this. I'm so sure. It's like overwhelming peace. It's going to be okay. Overwhelming peace. That for three hours, I tried to bring it up. Lord, I need you to touch my wife. And as soon as I'd say that, I'd get bored and get distracted. ADD would kick in full throttle. And I'm like, man, I cannot pray about this situation. But I'd pray about you. Lord, I don't know where they're at. And I, man, I feel fire in my bones. Pray for where, I don't care where they are. Feel, touch them, God. And I feel fire. But then I'd go back to my wife and it's like, that's already taken care of. Don't worry about it. Right. So I come home, my wife, eyes, bloodshot, makeup everywhere, tears coming down. Well, she doesn't know. I didn't even tell her. In fact, She's finding out right now as I'm telling you this story. Because I didn't want to tell her. The Lord told me if someone in my family gets cancer, I'm going to regret it four hours ago. I didn't want to tell her that. It would freak her out. It was freaking me out. 
But I'm sitting in the kitchen, and she's talking, and I'm like at complete peace. But now I'm nervous because now I look like I don't care. Husbands, you know how much trouble. <laughs> if they say they broke a fingernail, the world needs to stop. And so I had to get transparent real quick. She's too smart. I said, look, Allie, I, I do care, but I just finished praying for three hours. I know everything's going to be okay. So I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm not trying to not acknowledge it, but I'm just, I just know everything's going to be okay. The next day, Lord, pray another three hours. I pray three hours. She, somehow or another, she, it's very hard, many of you know, how to get an appointment when you want it. Well, they had an opening. She was able to go get her MRI the very next day, which was that alone was a miracle. You know that. So she says, hey, I'm going to go get an MRI. And so I'm praying. I'm like, God, I already know you got this taken care of. I feel the peace. I'm not going to ask you to take care of it anymore because I know. But, but I am going to ask for this. And I close my eyes. And I did this exact thing. I want you to reach into her and grab that nodule and pull it out. And then I did this with my hand. And I did it again. I said, I know it's going to be all right, but just take it out. See, sometimes you have to see in the spirit before you can see in the natural. So she calls me up. No, she shoots me a text message or the text message that the nurse sent or the email or screenshot. I don't know what it was. And it says, you are negative. And I'm like, yes. Yes. I get home. She's like, ding, ding, like a, like a TV commercial. Ding. And she's happy. I come walking. I'm like, yeah. And she goes, but you know what? There's one more thing. I said, oh, tell me. Please tell. She's like, it was the strangest thing. I said, oh, <laughs> what, what was so strange? She said, they did the MRI, and they were very, very confused because they could not even find the nodule. Now, there's been moments where I have faced adversity, and I look back and I go, Frankie, Frankie, you know better. But this week? <laughs> this week? Come on. How do we respond to adversity? So... What's the summary of the sermon? Nothing strange is happening. Do not let him take your prayer. Do not let him take your faith. Don't let him do it. Convince yourself, hell or high water, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I want to share a, a testimony of someone who has recently healed. And the reason we're sharing the testimony is every time we talk about a healing that Jesus did, we see a healing thereafter. 
I mean, this morning in the first service, it was insane. Like, I, I'm not going to tell you about it because I don't want you to compare the first service to the second service. But, I mean, I prayed for four people. Three of them got healed. Bang, bang, bang. The fourth one, I don't know. That's just being honest. I don't know. But the first three were insane. Oh, no, no. Then I prayed for a fifth person. So the first person, fourth person, I'm not sure. But bang, bang, bang. I'm like, Jesus, you are unbelievable. You say, well, how do you know they got healed? Because I hold their hand and I say, half the people I pray for, they feel God touching them. The other half, they don't feel anything at all, but they still get healed. I don't know what God's doing, but I want you to tell me what he's doing. So I start praying. They start squeezing my hand like, like, I'm like, I got your point. Back off. <laughs> squeezing it. I'm like, tell me what you feel. I feel heat. I'm not going to tell you because I don't want you to expect what they expected. You just need to expect that God's going to heal you. 